Hello, world. It's time to get amongst it on Golf Subpar. Colt knows Drew Stoltz. Sleazy, how we doing, my man? Living the dad gum dream. Good to be back with you. Getting into the holiday season here. Getting out, playing a little, a little golf on the weekends. Chill, getting a little chilly right now, so my golf might be limited. A warm weather guy, but well, let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. Another victory for mm. the Stoltz family at the at the father son the successor at Huge. Up at Whisperock. Huge. Doesn't How get... many paintings do you have? Dude, I, I'm, I was talking about it the other day. This might be our fifth. I don't know what it is, but whatever the reason, there's a one-day father-son tournament at Whisperock. It's gotten pretty big. Tons of guys playing it, both courses, all that. And I think this is our fourth or fifth one. But for whatever reason, that day, I tend to play my best golf of the entire year, maybe my entire career. I go there, play great, go to Q School, shoot a 1,000. But something about my dad and his, neg- his negativity <laughs> brings it out of me. It's this look of disappointment on his face for four hours. I try so hard for him, and for whatever reason, it's worked out. So... Yeah, we got a, got a big one done. I heard y'all played great. Wes Strang, our guy, who's a very loyal listener, by the way, him and his dad, Bill. Bill made seven birdies, I heard. They thought for sure they were going to get the W, and y'all ended up clipping them by a point. I got more texts from – I didn't realize how deep it had cut him. This tournament yeah. duty, voicemails, texts. He's like, you son of a bitch. This was our deer. This was our time. And uh, But, yeah, we, we went out there. We had a, we had a hell of a day, seven tweets um, for us as well. But uh, clean card. Uh, for the Stoltz, excuse me, one Bogue for the Stoltz family. So, nice. uh, yeah, nice little showing. Fun to do with your pops, dude, yeah. too, man. I mean, this is like a big deal. He got nice and lubricated early on, and he has a couple of bloodies just to loosen up the nerves, and so he was in he was in fighting form. Well, Wes should, Wes should be just fine. He's used to letting his dad down. He'll be okay. Dad <laughs> expected absolutely zero from you, but the fact that you were there and on time, you're exceeding expectations. Oh, uh, yeah. But some very cool news happening in the game of golf right now. Our guy, our number one guest, world number two, John Rom has made quite the switch. Tell the people about it. Yes, this just broke just recently. Uh, there have been some murmurs for a while, but John Rahm, a uh, longtime TaylorMade player, switching the entire bag over. Going to be on your team, Colt. Team mm-hmm. Callaway going yep. forward 2021. So that's that's pretty big news in the world of golf. Let's talk about this a little bit. You obviously are familiar with all the Callaway product and things like that, but I've been on record in the past saying I'm pretty anti guys that are this good, that are top of the world. He was world number one earlier. Switching all their stuff is just such a roll of the dice, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, like you said, world number two. Here he is. The only thing I think the thing that people need to understand at home is he was still on his rookie contract. So he signed a three-year deal coming out of school, I believe, and this was the last year. So he wasn't getting quite paid like a number two player, at least compared to Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, guys like that. He'd beaten expectations. Yeah, and and here you have he's a he's a tailor-made guy all the way through the bag. But you got the likes of Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, Tiger Woods. Um, who else is on this? I mean, it seems like everybody's on. I mean, on everybody. Staff. Justin and Rose going back to him. There's only so much money for all the players, and when you got that many top players there, I mean, you got Colin Morikawa, Matthew Morikawa, Wolf. Yep. Um, so here's here's a chance for John Rom to get paid what he thinks he should get paid, but it does come at a price of having to switch all your equipment and the golf ball. He's I got a good look at his bag the other day. He's got 14 Callaway clubs and the ball. So very very big switch for world number two. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how how he makes the adjustment yeah it's a big switch we saw Rory do it a while back when he was switching off all the Nike stuff and he switched all the clubs and the ball at the same time and he struggled for but he's like I don't know what the problem is is it the ball is it the irons is it the driver he's like switching all of it at once is a tough deal I will say this about Rom I'm more I I get it way more and I think it's it's I would do the same thing if I'm in the position of a Rory McIlroy or John Rom if you're one of these guys it's going to get game over money we got to assume that John Rom's getting uber paid on this deal Mm -hmm. that's different than a guy who finished 85th on the money list who's played quote ping his entire career and then been like oh i'm switching over to taylor because i'm getting 50 grand more for the seats like dude that's one cut you know what i mean like that don't 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 go do that don't jeopardize your entire career just to get a quick 
50 grand. I mean, Bubba Watson did it with the golf ball a few years ago, right? And we saw him switch back pretty quickly. So that didn't work out for a guy like a Rory. I mean, getting 200, whatever plus million from Nike. Uh, yeah, you go do that. Uh, John Rom probably getting a massive deal on this. You probably, I mean, it's game over money, but it's the guys more in the middle of the pack that need to play in year to year on, you know, trying to keep their card. I got, that's the ones I think go so wrong or amateurs that come out and switch the whole thing before they go pro for the guy, for the highest bidder. Yeah, obviously it wouldn't be a big, that big of news if it was, the 80th ranked guy right. in FedEx. But when you got the number two player in the world switching, it's obviously a big deal. And look, I've been with Callaway for 10 plus years now. They are so great to work with. They're very good about letting you work your way into all the equipment. They're not like, okay, we're giving you this money. You sign up, you switch 14 clubs on a ball today. But uh, I'm excited to see. Uh, John, first off, welcome to the team. They're the, they're the best in the business. Um, it's going to be really, really cool to see how he adapts. And if he can play to the same level he has, or if it takes him a little bit to get back to where he needs to be. Well, round one went okay because he was out here locally at Silverleaf Country Club. And uh, first day with everything in the bag, 59. That's okay. So, seems to be. Good start. He's, he's Obviously, adjusted. it was brilliant to switch. He's adjusted well. And, uh, yeah, when you throw a little 5-9 on the board in your first round, things have got to be looking up. But there will be an adjustment period. And I have uh, I get it for John Rahm. I, I couldn't knock the guy. I think it, I'm sure he got incredible amount of money but tough overall for a lot of guys of we've seen a lot more failures than guys that switch clubs and all of a sudden like wow he's a way better player than he used to yeah, be. yeah i mean look you're, you're switching the ball you're switching your irons which i think is the two biggest things the driver i think they're also good nowadays you can do that but you know you get out there in some windy conditions and you're you know you're used to seeing a certain flight with that golf ball and those irons and all of a sudden you see something a little different you're like okay was that me was that the equipment not really sure so it can put a lot of doubt in your mind but listen i think he's going to be okay he's slightly talented yeah, so I got gonna, faith. I got faith in fine. the man just pulling through yeah. and being okay through all this. He's going to be great. But before we get to our guest, who is used to switching teams quite a bit, um, <laughs> let's open up the mailbag. Producer Mark, what do we got this week? A couple questions on the PGA Tour this week. First one comes from TFED1. Do golfers have a preference to the Thursday and Friday tee times? I've always wondered if guys hated that 6.50 a.m. wake-up call. I mean, you can normally always, unless it's on the West Coast, you can normally bank on really nice weather at 6.50 in the morning. It's going to be a little cooler, obviously a lot calmer. The greens are absolutely perfect. But you start teeing off early on the West Coast when it's about 38 degrees, it is uh, it is not that fun. And some guys just aren't morning guys. I've had this talk with Kevin Tway on the tour a lot. He's like, man, I just wish I could play in the afternoon on Thursday and Friday. I get it. <laughs> Sleaze, I get it. You're the same way. It's so funny talking to these guys. I'm like, dude, you know going in to every season, you're going to have one early morning tee time, so you better figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. And you I, yeah, I'm a morning guy, so I didn't really care. Mornings typically, assuming weather is good, like is easier, right? You get in the perfect greens and soft conditions, especially in the summer, like if you're in the southeast or something like that. It's like, man, it's cooler. It's not as hot yet, and it's typically way easier. But there are those times, like you said, on the West Coast where it's like, are you joke? Like 7, 10 yeah. at Pebble? It's going to be 28 degrees with the wind chill. Like that type of stuff Suck. I was always – Get me close to the middle, preferably afternoon, afternoon. That was always my incentive on Friday. I was like, dude, every birdie you make, yeah. you get to sleep in more it's on true. Saturday. So. I, I was a big fan of playing in the afternoon on Friday because I always hovered around the cut line. And I knew <laughs> when I finished Friday afternoon, I knew if I made the cut or not. In the mornings, you know, you'd be right there. You'd go home, try to take a nap. You'd look at your phone every three seconds. Refresh, refresh. It was, it was annoying. So I kind of liked being early late. Yeah, start doing the math. All right, yeah. I need three guys to mm -hmm. make a bogey. I can't have more than three, make a birdie and all that stuff. That's a, that's a long day. Yeah. All right, what do we got next? The other question comes from Don Felipe's. Maybe a reason why people don't like the early tea time. Best bar at a PGA Tour venue. Mm. Ooh, Colt, you probably got a little more experience. I'll just throw out the 
the one that I'm familiar with here being in, uh, in, in Scottsdale, Izzy's, Isabella's, mm -hmm. which is right across the street from Greyhawk, really close to TBC Scottsdale where they play the Phoenix Open. That place is good pretty much the entire season in the winter. You show up any day of the week, you're liable to see a couple, you know, handful of tour pros in there. And even if they're not there, it's still buzzing. But during Phoenix Open week, that place is unbelievable. One of the best places in town, I would say. Isabella's would get my nod. But I only have one tour event of experience, yeah. so you probably have a little bigger arsenal to pull from. I'll be honest. If you're ever looking for me on a Friday or Saturday night and you can't get a hold of me, go to Isabella's. There's a good chance I'll probably be there. I'll give you two. Um, one little classy establishment that is just obviously always a blast. Oh, the nice. tap room out at Pebble. Okay. I mean, especially during AT&T Pebble Beach with all the celebrities in the yeah. field. It's uh, The place is just hopping. It is super, super fun. And then one I don't, I don't think a lot of people would think of the the hotel bar at PGA National, inside. Really? Yep. So right there on on site, yeah. they have a hotel. Most of the players stay there, but for that week, they make a massive bar in the middle of the lobby, dance floor all around it, bars on the outside oh, of it. Wow. Place gets jumping. It is a blast. Really? Yes. I did not know they converted that into into yeah. a bar there. It is crowded. Okay, that's good. A lot so, of a lot of locals in there that can that can stumble home too if need yeah. be. And oh, oh, just an, one other option. The bar at the Marriott at TPC Sawgrass. It's right off site there. It gets really going, too. Okay. This so, is all good. This is yeah. all good. If you're looking to get out there and get amongst it with the fellas, any of those three will suffice. All right. Well, let's get to this week's guest. Like I said, a mm. man who's not scared to switch teams a few times throughout his career. The great Derek Anderson, our guy, played all over the league. One of our favorite dudes to play golf with up at Whisperock. One of Just one of the best dudes. Just a big dude who just happened to be better athlete than everybody pretty much ever went up against you shake his hand and you feel like an infant his hands just engulf you these big gorilla hands but a guy that like we'll talk about no one loves golf more than Derek Anderson like he legitimately loves it he would be I've gotten texts from him at halftime of the final game of the NFL season like hey golf on Monday I'm like you're, you guys are you know they're out of the playoff I was like isn't the game going on right now but I mean he he is eat up with it works with the your guy Mark Blackburn and he spends a lot of time on it and he's just He's just a dude that loves nothing more than playing golf. I think playing bad golf probably pissed him off more than throwing an interception late in the game. I mean, he was – he's the guy, like you said, he's just so obsessed with the game. He's – oh, he comes – like when Mark comes here to work with all his tour players, I mean, I think D.A. gets more time than, <laughs> than the other yeah. tour players, obviously because he requires a lot more, but he's just so in love with the game and wants to get better so so bad. Yeah. All right, Chad, scoot over. Your, yeah. your shit looks pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to get in here. I got a lot to deal with. Dude, I played with him – uh, the member member at Whisper Rock. So he plays with Kevin Chappell. You can't play two tour pros together. They won't allow that. So all the tour pros have to have an amateur as a partner. Chappie and DA always play. I was playing with, I can't remember who I was playing with. We were in another group with Chez and his partner at the time. Through four holes on the lower golf course, DA was having a, a bad stretch. Wasn't coming out the gates too quickly. I think he was like four over through four, which, you know, like three and four are the two of the easier scoring holes. If you're going to play well, you typically are under par after four. And uh, he teed off on the fourth hole, hit another bad shot into the desert, walks over to his cart. We're all still hitting. Walks over to his cart, grabs his bag, puts it on his shoulder, walked the remaining 18 holes of the day. Didn't talk, didn't do anything. It's like a member member. We're all drinking, having fun. We're like, oh, DA's pouting. D Nothing. Just put his head down and went. Like, that's how much he cares about. He, like, legitimately loves it. I don't think I've ever been so mad I wanted to walk. Never. <laughs> that'd be, no, no 0% chance. Awesome. Well, let's get to him. Here's the big fella, Derek Anderson on Golf Subpar. All right, we've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Last three weeks, we've had some of the best golfers on the planet. This week, I would argue, we bring in a man who loves golf more than anyone on the planet. 13-year NFL quarterback, the big fella, Derek Anderson in the building. How we doing, brother? Good. How are you guys doing? You shorted me a year, though. Are you 14? Yeah, I snuck that last one. You got to check. It wasn't really a full year. It was a sleepy night-night deal, but 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Did that. I don't, yeah. yeah. All right, we'll yeah. give you credit for yeah. that. Round up. Hey, still get it. In he, the pension account. Round up. He put the he put the pads on, went to work. One pre. That counts. Hey. <laughs> I, I had one year on the PGA Tour. <laughs> okay. Relax. Didn't you guys talk about that a few weeks ago? Yeah, Maya Coba. That's right. That's right. One event. He's a PGA Tour yeah. veteran. Yeah. yeah. One Love tournament. That. Crafty. A lot more than I have. I've played. Yeah. But we mentioned how much you love golf. I talked to your coach, Mark Blackburn. You're in the stable. He said you're an addict. You can't get enough. Sometimes you try to be too perfect. What is it about this game that absolutely draws you to it and drives you crazy? I think it's just like the strategy, being able to like actually play. Like you guys do a great, like, oh yeah, hit it right there, 15 feet around the flag. That sounds great. Like, cool, I'm going to do the decade thing. Well, I can't hit it 20 feet around the flag every single time. Like, I don't know. I think it's just like a little bit of the competition is, is great for me. Like I obviously love gambling and forcing myself to get better and I lose a lot, but that's fine. Uh, uh, chipping, putting, like I totally enjoy the short game part because I'm not a very good iron player, so I just work on that. But uh, I don't know, it's, it is very addictive. I, I think maybe I have a slightly addictive personality. <laughs> just a little bit? <laughs> yeah, and I feel like quarterbacks, they're used to being the guy. Like they got to, you know, play starting quarterback in the NFL. Like you're used to being the dude. And then the challenge in golf, like you start something, you're like, I'm not very good at it. You want to become good at it because you're not used to being bad at anything. Right. Like, I, I mean, I've put a ton of work in, like, probably the last six or seven years. Like, I didn't really – like, you guys, I didn't really understand, like, the physics of it, right? Like, how to make the ball go certain ways, like, the strategy. Like, I'm still working on that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just, like, a thing that I'm not great. I mean, I'm not terrible, but, like, I'm not great. And I just always think I can improve if – might be wrong sometimes. What, I feel like great, I, flat, I feel like I just. First off, you're a plus point you're a, five. You're a plus. I think you're skewed on how good you are because you play with like all tour pros and plus handicaps. So you just think you suck. But yeah, if you're not a tour you're, player, you're really not good. It up with you. That's not factual information. Pretty factual. No, I do enjoy it because I do learn a lot. I'm sick of losing money to you, so I just yeah. You haven't played with I, me in months. It has been a couple months. I just I couldn't win, so I go there and I just either win or I lose. It's pretty easy. Lose a hundred, win a hundred. Yeah, you got a good chance I get of John str- Robin Chapel. I got I get yeah, strokes. Get I get strokes. Not enough with those fellas. How many, I did how many co- strokes does Chap give you? Six. Six yeah. in a match play? No, we do and a match play. We do a match play and a stroke play. See, I like that. That's, how, like, you should, that's how it should be done. So like either it rarely happens where one guy sorry, one guy <laughs> wins the match or wins the stroke. Like most of the time, if you if I play well. And I win the stroke. I'm obviously going to win the match yeah. play, but uh, it, that's fun. I played Rom right before he left. Went to the Masters. I think he gave me six, mm. and then I forgot I was getting a stroke on 18, and I didn't. I just like ah, I lose. I thought I lost on 17. I got to the card, and I'm like, oh, I stroked there. I actually had the chance to beat him. I just said, that's no, good. I picked it up. But that's cool. I mean, he's the number two player in the world. Like how ridiculous. Like you're you're a plus point five. You're a really good golfer. There's a lot of plus point fives out there that think they can play on tour. Tell everybody how ridiculously good a guy like John Rahm is. I, I try to explain it like my buddies at home, like, oh, you should try to play. I'm like, dude, I'm not even close to good enough. Like, I can't even <laughs> make the U.S. mid-am yet. Like, so, like, when I first time I played with John, I, like, call my buddy, Swanee, and I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like, the, it almost looks like the dude, it sticks to his club face, and he's just like, boy, it's going to go right over there. Oh, it sticks right here. And he, it like, throws really far. so far. And it looks like it's, like, spinning and going – up in the air and is going to fall this guy at like 270 doesn't like we here's actually pretty funny when we were playing the silver leaf uh member guest a few years back and he was playing in it uh with tim mickelson and the lake hole whatever that one is i can't remember 
Uh, he hits this, smashes it down there. He's got this like 50 or 60 yard chip in the 13. And I'm like, oh, chunked it. It went in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so you're, so you're not going to be an analyst anytime soon. <laughs> it, it sounded like he hit it fat. But I was like, did you chunk that? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, cool. But like, I mean, John, like all the guys that have played out there, like there's just a different level of execution. Like you're going to hit a cut. You're going to, your misses, you know exactly where you're going to miss. Uh, like John, is, he's got, I don't see how he can't, you know, compete to be the number one player in the world for a long time. His short game is ridiculous. He puts it good and he hits it 330. Like, I don't know if that's and he's got is that, that good. I'm not sure. He's got that fu in him too like he whether it's five bucks or five thousand but he wants it oh. but you mentioned you mentioned like your buddies are like dude you should try to go play and all this um brandel chambly who's a guest on the program asked after we sat down with tony romo they're like brandel's like does he really think he can play on the pj tour i'm like yes 100 he goes you know what you should have done you should have went up and strung up a, a tire in the building from 10 yards and thrown a football through it and told him you're gonna go play quarterback in the nfl because you might have a better chance 100 percent. like obviously like the high level amateur tournaments are even hard enough. Like I've played a bunch of these best ball tournaments with some of the guys that played in college, like a bunch of guys from Texas and you th- can compete with them for a couple days. Like you get a three day tournament and these guys, their ball striking is ridiculous, even though they don't really play that much anymore. I mean, they're just that much superior of a ball striker and a golfer than a guy like me that tries so hard and works at it. Like it's just a gift. Like I was given a gift to throw a football, like picked up a football. Boom. I don't have those, Little like perfect little. Why you gotta say little? Well, (laughs) you gotta say little. We're all little compared to these. Every time we play, I always look. I'm like, gosh, it'd be really nice if I could just put my hands on the club and just fit on there like like perfect. They were just smaller. Yeah, like I mean, my hands just engulf the grip. Like I I won't give up and go the massive grip yet, but I'm still messing with trying to hold on it properly. Do you remember like what first drew you to the game of golf? So. I played, my grandparents had a like cabin on like one of the oldest nine holes in Oregon, uh, up in Welch's, Oregon, little tiny place. I was like four or five years old and they took me to the golf course and like begged the pro to like let me go out. And he's like, okay, just don't hold anybody up. And I went out and had a blast and they would always continue to take me out there. Uh, and I think I was like nine or 10, maybe something like that. And I shot like one over for like nine holes was terrible in the back, but I got all excited. And I was like, wow, this is like kind of fun. And then I played a little bit in high school and then I got to college. I started picking the range at Tristing Tree. Oh, wow. And uh, then I started playing with some of the college guys there. And I was like, oh, I'm like, I can kind of play with these guys a little bit. Like some of their like guys down the lineup at 75, 76, 77. I'm like, I, I can do this. And so like when I was working there is when I, I'd pick like half the range and go to the back and hit eight irons for <laughs> – an hour, I may as well go pick the rest <laughs> of them. Yeah. Yeah. Squeeze back here for a few. And then, so that was kind of where I really got like kind of hooked on it. And then once I started playing the NFL, I just, every weekend in the spring, like go to a different, like my buddy was playing in Detroit. So I'd go up there and play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come home, play 36 a day. And just kind of just, I guess, playing over time, just got really hooked. And now I have a problem. Even when you <laughs> were <laughs> now, my wife says, "Get the hell out right now." Yeah. You got the time for it now. But even when you were growing up, you were a star basketball player and football player. You were Mister Mister Basketball and Mister Football in the at state Scapoose. of Oregon at Scapoose. Scapoose. Yeah, that's right. Scap Town. Scap Town. Uh, did you love golf more than even those? Even though you were so good at those other ones, did you still like golf more than those? You were just happened to be really good at the other two. So my junior year, I think. Yeah, my junior year, no, junior sophomore year, whatever it was. So. Football, basketball, uh, ran track, 
And then I was like, screw it. I'm going to play baseball. Or I'm going to play golf this year. And so I go out for the freaking golf team. And the first day, it was a two-day qualifier. And I shot like three or four over. I hadn't played golf in I don't even know how long. Like, I just was like, oh, I'm going to go try out. Like, played pretty well. And my high school my football coach calls me and was like, uh, you're going to run track. I was like, no, I'm not running track. Like, no, but I'm he's not. like, no, no, you're going to run track. You're going to get it faster. It's going to help you with football, blah, blah, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, nah. So that inevitably I didn't even go to the second day, which I kind of wish I would have. So I wasn't really hooked yet. But so I did that. And then I ended up playing football, basketball, track. And then I played baseball for part of a year. How, how tough? Bad. You were obviously, like he said, a superstar in high school at Scapoose, basketball and football. And then you made a very, very popular decision in the area to go play quarterback at Oregon State. Was that was that a tough decision, or is that so? I mean, you grew up obviously being a Beaver fan, but you had the opportunity Who to go other places. Yeah, yeah it. So, kind of when I first, I didn't really even play quarterback growing up. I played center and middle linebacker in middle school. I wore sixty six. Didn't not sure I really tackled anybody. I just grabbed my jersey. I was six six when I was in eighth grade. So like, okay, I just grab them and throw them on the ground. <laughs> like, and coach like, you gotta like fit them up. You gotta hit them. I'm like, Dude, they're they're little guys. Like, so anyways, I get go through and uh, before freshman year, my coach calls me. He's like, hey, you gonna play this year? And I was like, yeah, maybe. And like, well, he's like, practice is tomorrow. Like, we start tomorrow. I was like, okay, I'll go. And I show up, and he just flips me the ball, and he's like, you're playing quarterback. And I was like. Hmm. Okay. Like I was a ball boy when I was in middle school and I could throw the ball from like our sideline to the other sideline. So like I would just get it and like throw it to the other ball boy and they were like, what the heck? So from that point on, like they're kind of just put me in a position like, okay, you're going to play quarterback, ran the speed option, ran the triple option. And then we kind of, as a school, like started kind of evolving more of like a spread and all that. But anyways, so play pretty good my sophomore year start getting some letters and my junior year like the first day or whatever you could have contacts with coach uh, Mark Rick who at the time was the office coordinator for Florida State he shows up I'm going in the gym it's like 6 30 I'm going in to shoot or something and he's standing like right by the door and there's always the right door coach would always go in unlock it and then all the other ones are locked whatever and I like looked at him I was like what the hell anyways hey how's it going walk right in go in get dressed go about ready to start working out and he comes in the gym is just watching me shoot like like what the heck is this guy doing like he couldn't talk to me but he could like yeah. come to my school or whatever so anyways they were the first team to offer me and then it, it kind of blew up from there and it came down to it i just kind of was like my family like supported me like through everything like my grandparents took me to a million games uh oregon state was coming off the fiesta Bowl win smash notre dame by the way no big deal sorry, but, sorry, uh, sorry the sleazes <laughs> My dad's still pissed about that game, but <laughs> hate that Dennis Erickson team. We got him twice, but on a lesser scale the second time. But uh, so there's, you know, the energy was good. Uh, we had a few guys like kind of committed to go there, and all these other schools were great, sounded great, everything. But I wasn't really like, how do I fly? How do I go to Tallahassee? Like it's everything so far. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like everything I know is here. Um, and then I go into the week before I committed to Oregon State. I go in, I go do the football camp at Oregon. I'm down there. Mike Bellotti brings me in before I leave. And he's like, hey, like if we offer you today, because it was either going to offer me or Kellen Clements, who ended up going there, played in the NFL for a number of years, uh, would you commit today? And I said, no, nah, I told Coach Erickson I would at least come to campus, spend a little bit of time, make it before I do anything. And I just, so I got up and left the meeting. He came in like 10 minutes after me. They said the same thing. And he was like, yep, I will. Oh, wow. So like, I didn't really have a choice to go to Oregon, but 
I would have probably not gone there anyways, yeah. just not my kind of deal. But uh, yeah, Were you it was, leaning anywhere else? No, like I had like Oregon State, Washington State, Washington, uh, Florida State, UCLA. Uh, those are kind of my towards the end when it came down to it. Had I taken a trip to Arizona State, I don't think I would have ever left. <laughs> that's, that's, I don't know how they don't get every kid and in the United States. I don't States think I actually would have ever come, played in the NFL. Yeah, Come to Tempe for a weekend. <laughs> Tell me if you like what you see. It's all right. But it's part of the appeal. You're a home state kid. You're, or, you're going to show up at a campus at Oregon State, and you're going to be like the guy. People are going to be thrilled you're here versus going to like a Notre Dame or a Florida State, and they're going to be like, there's this kid from Oregon. Not so much. Not, like, not really. Like, It was a little bit awkward for me. Like, I came from such a small town. Like my hometown when I first moved there was like 3,500 people. So like I didn't really know kind of how the whole process went. Like nobody from my high school ever got recruited by a major college. So like even my high school coach didn't really know like how we sent the tapes out is ridiculous. Like we literally, he came in, I went, he was a middle school PE teacher and I went over there. He's like, let's do some highlight tapes. Think we should send a few out. And I was like, really? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll put all these things in. He's like, just write down a list of schools that maybe you want to go to. And I was like, just start. I mean, Peter Warwick was in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Peter Warwick. I was like, a, I don't know, Michael, was, it against, was that against Virginia Tech? Anyways, I was like enamored with Florida State. So I just started saying all these ridiculous schools. And he puts them in an the envelope, sends them off. And the next thing you know, like six weeks later, they show up. So like, it was a little bit uncomfortable for me, like I just didn't really know like how that whole thing worked and nobody was there to like help me kind of go through it. I just kind of free willed it. So, Did you know how good you were being like you're from a small town? You're like I know I'm good here. I know I'm the best guy around this play, but I don't know like nationwide. Am I am I am I that good? Yeah, not really. Like to be honest, like I was thought I was a basketball player until my sophomore year. <laughs> I just need to tell you this story. I've told him, I think. So anyways, I thought I was a hooper. I go down. Yeah, I know this story. I yeah. thought I was a hooper. Like I was pretty good. Like, you were a hooper. I was. I was okay. I had a little uh, elevation problems. Those didn't come up until I did this. But I, I went down. I played on an all-star team with a ton of dudes. Some of the best players in Oregon, like Aaron Miles, Michael Lee, Slane Stoudemire, all these guys. Um, we go down to Compton Community Compton Dominguez Community College. Big gym, like six courts, all this chaos. We go in there and we roll out, ball comes out, and you're like, yeah, I got him, I got him. And like, Dia, you got him. And I'm like, all right, this could be interesting. Like, dude's like 6'3", kind of lean. I'm kind of slow. And anyways, first time down, he catches on the wing. I kind of go out and close him out. He goes baseline. I'm like, I've done this a million times. Guy goes by me. I'm going to just go let him go by and jump up, stick it on the glass. End of story. No, no. He went baseline. He got it back like by the back of his ankles and just, oh, boom. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man. I like went over to the bench and I came out and I'm like, it's not for me, boys. Like, we don't <laughs> have to do all play. I had one play. Like this kid, he wasn't even a great basketball player, but yeah, he jumped over the top of me and I was like, nah, can't do it. You know what? I'm a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. But then I didn't, I didn't know like how good I could be or how good I was at the time. Like I started kind of progressing and then like the, all the weird stuff kind of started happening. And the next thing you know, I was at the uh, Elite 11 uh all-star, it's a, kind of the top 11 quarterbacks across the country. Uh, and I went down there and I was like, I'm all right. Like, I can hang with these guys. Like, and when you got invited to that, was that kind of the point where like, okay, now the NFL might be a, might be able to become a reality? I didn't even really think of it. Like, yeah. honestly, I wrote down my sophomore year in high school after I came back from a camp, uh, like Drew Bledsoe was there and he helped me a ton during that week. And I came back and they were like always talking about like, write your goals out, write your goals out, blah, blah, blah. 
and I just my wife found it a year ago maybe and like all these things that I like had written down like achieved most of them but I didn't at the I mean in my heart I, I didn't really give myself any other opportunity I didn't go to class so but, <laughs> you don't like, say like the book <laughs> part like that, dude. I I kind of just at one point in college I was like this is it like I either I, I'm going to put everything into my eggs in one basket if I have to come back and finish it great but I need to focus on this and so I didn't quite like realize realize until like my sophomore year of college probably when I was like man I got a chance what do you think you would be doing if you didn't play quarterback in the NFL mm. oh that's hard I'm riding a paver <laughs> amazing <laughs> no I mean well, I I probably would have started coaching uh I really enjoy like working with younger kids, not necessarily like high school kids, sometimes high school kids, but like younger kids kind of helping them. Like my son, I, I really like, he's into throwing, like he's four, but like he's into throwing and I can like little tiny silly things when they're so young, like they pick it up quick. Like I wish I had somebody show me how to hold a golf club when I was, you know, like silly things like that. Like that, I enjoy that. So I probably would end up being coach or PE teacher. I don't know. PE teacher. Well, you didn't have to worry about it because you get scooped up in the by the Ravens in the NFL well, draft. That's what I wanted to ask, though. Like going into the draft, okay, you throw your name in the hat. Where did you think you would go? Like how? Like what yeah. round number? So I played terrible my junior year. I was going into my junior year, like I had been told, like I could possibly be like a second round pick, uh, and I was like, man, if they tell me I'm in the second round, I'm gotta go. See you like, later. Yeah. like and. I threw like 25 picks my junior year. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not. Bad but receiver, conference record. Bad route, no, I got a conference record out of the deal. No, yeah. yeah record no big, just another record. Whatever. No big deal. But uh, no, like going into it, they were like, I, you know, third, fourth round. Like that's what they had been telling me. And so I was like, okay. So I had to play golf in the morning, had a big party, you know, oh, they're going to go through the first two rounds. Maybe I'll get done in the third round. So like Carolina calls me in the third round and I'm like, my buddy's house. He's got like a basketball court in there, like dinking around. I'm like, oh, cool. He's like, hey, just want to make sure this is your info, blah, 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 which is kind of like it's normally like a assistant guy will call you just to check if they're planning on picking you. And I'm like, man, they got, they're picking like in five picks. Nah, Stefan LaFleur's. Remember him? A little, little lefty. Little yeah, a little pump fake. Yeah. yeah. So then I stayed, we had a second day and I sat there and didn't get picked till the sixth, but uh, probably a good thing. I mean, it turned out okay, but it was a little, it was a funky deal. Like, I, like even A-Rod sat there until, what do you pick, 20? Oh, yeah. yeah, he sat there forever. When you show up at the draft and then you drop, that's got to be like the weirdest. You're sitting there with a the camera guy, on you. Look at the guy that hasn't gotten picked yet. If he gets drafted 23, I probably should have never got drafted. <laughs> <laughs> He's not okay. Yeah. Yeah, but you go, so the Ravens scoop you, sixth round. You go there, they end up letting you go, and you go to Cleveland. Like, part of you, i got to think, is just excited to be in the league and get a chance. But is there a party that's like, Oh shit, Cleveland! Like that's where quarterbacks go to die at the time. I didn't even know. Like I literally, I mean, I knew Cleveland was terrible, but I, like I didn't really even know like the history, how bad they've been. Like played them on the video games, you always crushed them. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, right? that's where you bumped the stats. Yeah, but uh, going in like my last two games of the preseason in Baltimore, I played really well. Made it kind of hard for them, so they couldn't cut me. And then Kyle Bowler hyperextends its. Uh, big toe Monday night first game of the year so now I'm the backup like I don't really know what's going on but like oh sure you're the backup for like three or four weeks and then they bring in Cordell Stewart who's like 91 and he <laughs> they cut me and then he goes in well yeah, it was fine Cordell's a great dude but I, at the time like I was like what the heck's going on you punted a couple for this team last year like I had no idea what the heck so anyways 
they cut me. I go to Cleveland. Like, kind of not really sure what to happen. I had already, like, agreed to buy this townhouse. I had dudes living with me. We were just going to kind of, like, split the rent, essentially, but I owned it, but whatever. And so I back out of that, lose some cash on that one. Load, my agent calls. He's like, load up your car. He's like, you're gone. So I packed everything. My mom flew out, drove my car to Cleveland. I get there. I'm like, whoa, this is a little different spot. Um, but, uh, you know, it worked out. It was, I learned a lot from Trent, like the first couple of years there or first, like really year and a half. Um, and then just kind of jumped in the fire. Yeah. You mentioned Trent Dilfer. I was going to ask like throughout your career, you played for several teams, obviously got to learn from a lot of great quarterbacks. Who do you think you learned the most from? Probably Trent. Yeah. Like, he's, he's amazing. Like <laughs> he's, he was so good. Like even when he wasn't there, like we traded him to Sandy or San Francisco, um, for Ken Dorsey, like middle that's before the spring or whatever, but he constantly stayed in contact. Like I'd call him and be like, Hey dude, like, can you watch this? Or like what I do bad last week or, you know, and he always had something good for me, but just sitting like in the film room, like that took a lot too. just like understanding how to watch film, how to, you know, break down defenses, know their, you know, where their weakness is. Um, you know, Trent was, I mean, shoot, he won a Super Bowl. Like a lot of people did, get, you know, kind of bag on him. Like, yeah. oh, all he does is talk. Like Trent's a very yeah. smart dude. Um, so, yeah, Trent, Trent's probably the biggest, you know, the guy that I probably learned the most from, uh, not player-wise, but coach-wise, like Rob Chizinski, uh, Mike Shula were fantastic guys. Like I learned a ton from those guys because at that point, I, after Rob – like Shula, I was a little bit older and he'd been around at a ton. So I just kind of started just gathering. And for the listeners at <clears> home, like I'm mean, actually so you're an elite eleven quarterback coming out of college. I mean, you're you're a stud. What was the biggest difference between college and NFL that like the people at home wouldn't realize? Besides the paychecks, obviously. Paychecks were decent. <laughs> uh would love one of those about now. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Running back. Yeah, I can run it back, maybe. Uh ten day contract. One day. I was like yeah. trying to get Denver to sign me like 50 grand for one game. I was like, just come in. Yeah. Come in. Yeah, take hold, hold the board. Kidding. I'd probably get killed again. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. No, the, I think the biggest thing is like, you have to understand like where you're going to go with the football based on the defense pre-snap. Now you might, they might roll, they might move. And then you got to get into your second read and move on. But like, you kind of have to have a good idea of what they're in because the windows are so small, right? The, the speed of it, the windows. Um, and then I was actually talking to someone about this the other day. It's just trusting, like, you're throwing a football. Yes, you're playing with grown men when you're 21 years old. You're out there and these dudes have been doing it forever. But it's just trusting that you have the same skills. Like, I think longer that you kind of get into your career, the more kind of battle scars you have, that you over start to overanalyze things. A little bit like golf, probably. Mm -hmm. um, but... Yeah, like you get in there when I was young, like I had to go in there when you screw it, throw it over here. Dudes would catch it, throw it over here. Sometimes it gets bounced up in the air and picked. And like, why'd you, you know? So like, I think that was kind of the biggest thing is just having faith in what you were doing. That's how I kind of adjusted quickly. There's a lot of guys that, and, that, and the hardest thing was like, there's a dude on his back, right? And we go to the film room and the coach would be like, he's open, like throw it to him. I'm like, he's not open. He's like, that guy's open. Like you better figure out that in this league, that guy's open. And I'm like, all right. So I'm going to start firing in there. You better catch it. <laughs> Let me ask you this because I've had this conversation with a couple guys who play the NFL at quarterback, and their 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 stance is that if you took a top-tier NFL quarterback right now, and I'll just like a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, something, that might even be too good, but maybe in a top-10 type of an NFL quarterback, yeah. put them on any Power 5 
conference team in the NCAA and they would take them to the uh, college football playoffs. Agree with that? Easy. Yeah. Like that's the that's how yeah, big of a difference it is, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you would pick them apart. Yeah. They, he said they score every single. He's like, I can't vouch for the defense or whatever, but you got to give them some guys that can catch the football if it's put on them. But right. basically, they would score every single time because pre snap. He will know everything that's about to happen and he'll just audible into the right play and it'll be game over. Yeah. You, like you could, yeah, you can manipulate it. Like the knowledge that you've gained. Like I, I told people like my, after my third or fourth year, probably like third year. And I was like, if I could go back and play college again, like it would be dumb. Like, yeah, I understand the defense way more. Like I actually could change the protection. I could get us in the right run. So like, you know, they're bringing guys over here. Like let's just run at this guy that's dropping. Like you have a defensive end that has, to drop into pass coverage, like just run at him and you just walk away. You know, like silly things like that, but you definitely like you would crush it. Like there's a, a million without calling guys out. There's a guy that got drafted in a couple of years ago that I watched him on TV. And I'm like, his guys are wide open, like wide open in college. And I'm like, he's going to struggle when he gets to the NFL because he's not going to be used to throwing in the tight windows. Like you just kind of hesitate and he's struggled a little bit. I mean, I think he's got a chance to be pretty good, but uh, Is that a guy that played for maybe a rival college you went to? No. Okay. No. No saying name? You, no. Just <laughs> no. But early on in your career, I mean, obviously, you're young, getting out there, getting on the field. You break the huddle. Was there ever a point where you looked across at the defense and you're like, holy shit, that's so-and-so. Please don't kill me. Ray Lewis. <laughs> that, that would that's do fair. it. That would have, do it. I think. Having from playing with him, like, my rookie year and being on that team, uh, he was – bit scary and there's a, you know there's a few other guys but like you just look at them and like that is a grown human like they don't make many people like that like Julius Peppers played him one year we're playing him in Chicago we're gonna run a reverse so I gotta toss it and then I gotta go over here and the running backs are then gonna flip it to this guy and I peel around and Pep's coming dead at me <laughs> like six seven or whatever he is six six three oh five and he's just chiseled he's coming I'm not supposed to cut him I'm supposed to cut him like perfect I yeah, go, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me get right on that. Like, that so one. Yeah. I go diving in there and like half roll into him. And he just pushes me in the ground, chases him, tackles him for a loss. But like guys like that, like the dudes that are like drafted, you know, top five, like Chase Young, like they're just yeah. freaks in nature. I like what Mike Tomlin said. About oh, yeah, oh dude, I saw that the other day. It was hilarious. I never want to lose enough games after drafting. I got to lose four, 15 oh. games a year to get a player like you. Yeah. But like there's those special guys like that. Like you just, you literally are looking at him like, Okay, like I got a good tackle, like Joe Thomas, really good tackle. He's got him. What about this guy over here? Like going into it, right? Like, I mean, there's just they're freaks. Like Aaron Donald, well, just like that is every, that's terrifying, dude. Every single even. time, but he's not big. That's the freaky thing. Is like, but you watch he it looks on, big as shit. You watch it on tape, and you're like, that's gonna be a problem. Like, are the three of you in here gonna be able to manhandle <laughs> this guy, or maybe just hold him? I'm not really because he tosses guys like it's silly. And when they did that. Uh, Hard knocks. They showed him like going through the ladder drill and over. I'm just like that dude weighs 300 pounds and he moves like a running back. He just his hand speed like it's silly. What was Ray Lewis like as a teammate? Because you got to you got to peel back the curtain a little bit on him. Dude, it was one of the obviously the most veteran team that I've ever been on. Uh, We had Ray Lewis, uh, Deion Sanders, Ed Reed, Chris McAllister. I mean, these all these dudes. Uh, Anyways, Ray was fantastic. You know, always was good to me. And like, I would ask him questions because I had to run the scout team. So I'd ask him questions. He was good. Uh, Dion was the same way. Like, those dudes were awesome in practice. And then, you know, after the game, everything, everything's fine, but like, trying to kill you, like, during the thing. But he was uh, friendly. Dion, actually, Dion was 
fantastic. Like he came over to me like before I played the last preseason game. He's like, all right, kid, like this is your game. Like go out there and play well. Like you have to say that to me. Like dude's wearing number 37. That's how long, you know, far yeah. down the road. Yeah. And you had one of the coolest owners too, Bushotti. Oh, Bushotti's what a legend. incredible. He came and spoke to our Walker Cup team at Caves Valley. Legend, slick back hair, cigar, so cocktail. I was, I was like, cigar. God, this guy's amazing. I love him. He's a billionaire. Such a good dude. Yeah. Great office. You know, uh, ashtrays in there. So you can smoke cigars in his oh. own office in the building. Like, okay, I think you've done a couple of things right. Were you um, were you a superstitious guy? Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping you'd say, hoping those, you'd say no because I have a nice long text from a very close person to you. But let's hear um, what you have to say. Like as far as like what I did game day wise you or just, are, the question was, you are you superstitious? So I always, let's see I'll start with. So I did the same things on game day every single time during the week. I did the same things during the week. I got up at the exact same time. I tried to get the building exact same time. Got my coffee at the exact same time. Uh, what was your Starbucks order? Uh, Trenta cold brew okay. off the, I quit, I quit the Starbucks. Yeah. Quit it. It was well, a sponsor of ours. They're going to be pissed. Well, I maybe can get back on. <laughs> Should be uh, listening. So I would go like you could cut Starbucks out. Stupid things like this. Like we would play in San Francisco, right? Stay in Palo Alto. It's not a Starbucks close, right? So I'm taking a forty dollar cab ride to get a six dollar drink. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how like that's how like ingrained I was in it. But so I did, and I did that game day always, right? The game day was always the same. Get up in the morning at like six fifteen, go down, get a cab, go get Starbucks, come back in, eat breakfast, sit around, go upstairs, put my stuff on, get on the first bus, go over and sit around, dink off for a while. Um, then I always put my uniform on, left leg first. Oh, now we're going. So, yeah, now, now we're getting into yeah. some weird stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. like pant, left leg, pant, left leg. Or actually, I'd go socks first because if you don't put, if you put your pants on first, then then your socks are over the top. You can't get them underneath. Can't get so, them under, yeah. yeah, so you got to go socks on, pants on. Don't forget to put your pads in before you put your pants on. So left to right, all the way around, boom, shoulder pads on, same notch on my pads every single time, three clicks in, both sides. Uh, chin strap, same way, always had it a certain way until I was ready Turn to Turn the lights off four times. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't have any like lick the doorknob deals. <laughs> I was really hoping you would say no, because I talked to your wife Mallory this morning and she gave me a whole list of all your superstitions. And I just wanted to be able to call you out. But now that you're admitting to him, it's not as fun. Did he let any that he left out? Um, he said, well, for starters in Carolina, he would grow out his beard when the team was winning. So the year they went to the Super Bowl, he looked totally homeless. That's factual. I actually watched an interview with Barstool you did where you sat on the bus. Incredible yeah. interview. First off, yeah, yeah. incredible interview when they kept saying you're one heartbeat away. I love one that. Heartbeat. <laughs> one heartbeat, bro. <laughs> I love that. Um, she did say if the team won, we did exactly the same thing as the previous week, like ate at the same restaurants, even ordered oh. the same food. There was a burger place in Charlotte we went to almost every single Friday night for dinner because it was good luck. So you can't. can't not go. Yeah. Dude, I was, I'll tell you what, my, my first ever time leading on the PGA Tour, I went to um, – Carabas at Hilton Head mm -hmm. with Mallinger and Charlie Hoffman. Top notch, bud. Get order, same dinner. Next night, same dinner, still leading. Third night, still leading. Saturday night, they go, we're tired of this place. We're not going with you. I'm like, guys, I'm leading. No, like, dude. Come on, suck it up one time. <laughs> you got to do it. They wouldn't do it for me. That's when you bail on your friends and say, see, I'll go I got to go back. The same thing. You can't mess up the juju. No, we we did this little burger joint and we were on fire. Like we won 15 straight yeah. games. Like, no, 14 straight games. I'm like, Beard's coming up. She's like, we got family pictures coming up. Don't care. 
Like, I'm going to, like, let it yeah, – I'll yeah. trim around my lips. But, I mean, it was nasty. Did the exact same things, and it worked out. We got to the Super Bowl. We just didn't finish the deal. Yeah, but yeah. she told me before games, um, when you were leaving after stretching, you'd have to find them to wave. Oh, yeah. That was before the kickoff, and when she was late, Yep. She nine said, out of ten times we lost. She said that didn't go well when she was late. And he said, she said you also had to be the driver at all the home games. So I you, did. You drive Olsen, um, Luke, and Ryan Khalil. Khalil. You always had to be the driver. So it was, it was uh, Luke, Ryan, Greg, Mike Remmers, and then we occasionally had a J.J. Jansen, the long snapper, in there. Legendary drives to the stadium, by the way. <laughs> okay, I'll add to that, actually. Legendary drives. Taylor Swift. Oh my Good. God! What this else would you do? No, no, no. This had this was like every single time when you would get to a, a certain place in our drive, and I'd look at Greg and I'm like, "It's time, play." <laughs> so we were like set up perfectly, right? What song? It had to be the uh, same song every I time. I can't remember what. Yeah, you yes, remember what Taylor Swift? I do, yeah, I do, dude, but I don't know, know the song. I don't know the name of the song. I'm not okay, really good. Don't be afraid no, to be no, no, vulnerable, no, dude. No, no, no. no. I, I don't, honestly, I can't even sing the words unless it's I start hearing the song. Like what? Couple. Party in the USA? No. Damn. Oh, that's Miley Cyrus anyway. Uh, uh, one of the ones where she's talking about... Some where? dude that broke up. New York. That's, that's where? New York? <laughs> is New York one of those ones? I don't know. Oh, no. That's a... Uh, that's I don't a, know. I wish I knew. I should what's, know. What's the name of that? That's the other one. We had, to, we had to listen to that one for Greg. So anyways, we had the whole thing like mapped out. Season's rolling, right? We're playing the Cardinals in the NFC Championship game. And they got the whole studio set up in front of the stadium, right? And I go a certain way every week. Boom. Take it right here. Go in front of the stadium. Come in. There's the same security guard. We did the same things. I go down there and there's like seven cop cars or seven cops standing in the road. Roadblocks. Like big ones. Like big white roadblocks. And I always kind of, there was always a roadblock there, but not a big one. I would kind of just nudge my way up on the curb and just kind of go past it. Cops everywhere. And I'm like, Ryan, got to get out, bud. He's like, no, no. Like, just do it. Just go ask the guy. Tell him we've been doing this the whole year. Like, we can't screw this up yeah. now. He's like, okay. So he goes on. The guy was kind of like, mm. I'm like, we got it, dude. Up on the curb all the way around. We drive through the middle of like the whole party that they're setting up. Like the stage. The guy's going to sing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Had hey, to do it. We won. Do we it. won. It was, a what, it was a beating. Though, at what too. point in Carolina did you throw in the, the pregame chew to get ready? That had mm. to be part of the routine. Guaranteed. Very much so. Yeah. Half, half can before we kicked. Half can before? Yeah. Just to, be, just just to get right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah just a half can. Uh, so, <laughs> chew when you go out for warm-ups. Of course, standard issue. On the way in, out, exit stage left, toss it, go inside, run in, toss the towel to the, or take the helmet off, toss it to the uh, equipment guy. He'd make sure the radio's working, run straight to the can, take a leak, dry everything off, go go back to the locker, have the other equipment guy come over, put the eye black on. <laughs> This is this is, this is a process. This is, this is the same thing every single week. So I'd come out of the bathroom. I'd be like, Jackie! He'd come around and over, put your eye black on. He'd, he'd have it jacked up sometimes, but it was, it was he fine. Put, you guys don't put your own eye black on? No, no, no. It was, he, he took pride in making sure that he did it, like if he had it. Because then you have eye black, like 400 eye blacks laying around, right? So he always just kept them in his pocket. So you could have been like, hey, dude, give it to me. So instead of me putting it on, I'd just like, hey, dude, put it on. So then he put it on. I walk straight to the thing, look in the mirror, like, and I would just go like this on the sides because you always have the sides messed up. Fix the sides, and off we went. There you go. And then go out, chew to start the game. Yeah. Sorry if anybody's against that, but that's just how it happened. Hey, it's it's chew, super to, chew to start the game. You score on the first drive, it's in. Stay, stays keep, in. It's like a birdie chew. Yeah, yeah. stays in. 
three and out or worse after the third drive, toss it. Reload. God, this Makes is sense. incredible. Makes sense. Reload. How many times did Cam go down in his career for like a play, which could hardly ever happened, where you had one in and it was you didn't get it out before you ran in? Ever? Twice. Yeah, that's the problem. Twice. Uh, one, I forgot. Like, I literally forgot. Like, it happened so fast. Like, helmet, threw me the helmet, boom, toss. I don't know why he didn't just fall. Because he, he, you're supposed to fall down so that they can get an injury timeout or get a chance to maybe take a snap. No, he limped off the field. So it was like a regular substitution. Play clock's running. Play clock's running. Throw me the helmet. Still got to chew in. Boom. Throw it. And I'm like, oh, I probably need to get this out. Like, <laughs> Don't worry if you fall on that. Yeah. And then, uh, so I always had it in my left knee pocket. I there. used to yeah, see that it was sometimes when you do the little run by yeah. and that. I'd be like, yeah, there it, is, it was right in there. there. Yeah, that's but, uh, So we got, I ended that. It's, but I, everything kind of stayed the same throughout the that's course. That's pretty extensive. Yeah, you, like, so you are superstitious. So if you yeah. play a good golf round like nowadays, do you try to repeat the same thing the next day? Well, duh. God, that's amazing. He's no dummy, dude. Like, if you, like the warm-up, not like on the golf course. Okay. Like the warm-up. Like if like one day, because I sometimes go pitching wedge, eight iron, uh, five iron, can't hit five iron, five iron, <laughs> three wood driver. Like I yeah. just, and then I go over and hit a clip a few. Uh if it's bad one day, I'm like, ah, pitching wedge wasn't great. Let's yeah. go with the nine. Let's start with the so nine. So start with the nine. Yeah. If it happens to work that day, then you start with the nine then the next day. Then it. you just kind of go through it. It's just common you sense. You never did that? Did you have, Did you hit the same clubs? Right? You had to have the same warm-up. I had the oh, same yeah. warm-up. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was a short warm-up. But like it was like days I would go – I tried to mix it up. I'd go nine, seven, five to warm-up uh, or wedge, eight, six. Okay. Even. Yeah. Yeah. So just – I mean, depending on the day. But it, I'm with you. Like if something worked, which didn't happen very often in my career – I would stick with it. Have to. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Like, even, I mean, you notice weird things like what you do, like if you walk into the clubhouse a certain way or where you park or stuff like that. If that yeah. same parking spot was available they before, hell yeah, I'm parking in that thing. All that stuff matters. I park in the same, at the end of our stadium trip, same parking spot every time, every single time. I go there and there's somebody be there, I'm like, go get your, move. Like, move. Get out of yeah. my spot. Hey, like, tow this like, car. We won a million games. I'm parking right here. You can't park there. I was big. This is actually a funny one. I was big if I got my courtesy car or whatever. And, you know, like the air conditioning or heater, yeah. it's digital now. And it'll yeah. say like 74. I'm like, uh-uh. You don't have to put it on a good number. Yeah. I put it on 68. Like, I can't, I'd have, rather wear I can't my looking sweater. No. I don't want to see the no. 74 up there. I had a pair so of green underwear that I wore. 65 and freezing. Yeah, obviously. yeah, you want to see a 65. Yeah. Don't care. It's yeah. worth it. I had a pair of green drawers that I kept for about six years. I wore on the final round of like every single tournament until I played bad in the final round, and then they went out of the rotation for a week, and then I brought them back. Teach them a lesson. Always socks. Socks are big. Same socks. Can't wear somebody else's socks. So like, Do you guys share socks? The, this is weird. So like... In the locker room, like yes. you have like a little bag, right, with all your clothes. Like sometimes the zipper would come undone, and then your socks are f- free floating in the washer, right? So then I go up there and I'm like, hey, I get a pair of socks, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I come over and like throw me a pair of socks that are already like folded, right? Yeah. <laughs> nah, like we can't do that. Like can't wear <laughs> jocks, <laughs> nah, compression shorts, yeah. or socks. Like you don't can't wear. You know, I mean, worst case scenario, you wear so many socks, but I couldn't do it. Like I literally wristbands were the same way. I couldn't wear used wristbands. Yeah, that's where I draw the line. Just sweating in them. It's a bit awkward. Well, we're talking a little bit about Carolina. We got to retreat just a little bit because it wouldn't be a DA interview. And I know you know you're my guy and I love you. And I'm sure you've talked about this a million times. But we got to get into the interview of all interviews or the post-game press conference just for the of record, all I press conferences. This. No, I'm in this. We got to have it, dude. I'm this past is the it. big fella. You're into it. You come in there, you get the rant afterwards, and then this thing blows up. At any point after that, were you like, I can't believe – 
how much pub this has got. Because I watched Magic Magic Johnson talk about it on Jimmy Kimmel the next night. That was a bummer. <laughs> that <laughs> like was, was a bummer. Of the best, yeah, that was a bummer. I mean, I got crushed. But uh, to be honest with you, like, it kind of had been boiling for a while. Um, didn't really see eye to eye. Dude was just kind of hammering me. I was I say, just, did you know the reporter? Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously. Like, I dealt with him every day. And since then, we've chatted and I explained to him, like, why I got so upset. But, like, let me explain how, yeah, what, the whole what thing, exactly dude. happened. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so we're getting crushed on Monday Night Football. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> whole world's watching. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Only 10 million people watching. Yeah, whatever. Tossing around, yeah. skipping it in the dirt. And we're sitting on the, on the bench and Deuce, Latui, and there's some dude who, by the way, every single home game, he sat right behind our bench and he would just hammer me. Like, <laughs> ha- like everything you can think of, hammering me. And we're sitting there and I like almost punched him a couple of weeks before that. But I'm sitting there and like Deuce looks over at me. He's like, damn, DA. And I was like, just kind of like shook my head and smiled. And he was like, we got your back, dude. Like, he, and I literally, I just looked at him. I just kind of, that little grin Giggle, or whatever. Yeah. And that was it. Like there was no like big thing. Like it was nothing crazy. Anyways, like apparently it was di- during commercial of the Monday night game. And then they lead with it. Crush me. And, and then I, I had no idea. So I went into the press conference after the game, super pissed already, just kind of trying to get it out, not really talk, but just talk about the game. Okay, it was terrible. I was need to be better. Let's just end this. And he just keeps, well, what are you talking about? What did it? And then I lost it on him. And then I went in, go in the locker room, all pissed, kick my bag, get my foot stuck in the bag <laughs> as I'm walking out the door. Like, just come on, dude. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it, it really wasn't that big a deal. But then I, mean, I went to, I went home. I got in the car, actually. My wife's sitting in the car and I walk in and I sit down in the car. I'm like, we got a problem. <laughs> Things are about to get bad. She's We're like, about to get more famous than we are. She was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I may or may have not lost my shit just a second ago. <laughs> like, and she's like, what? And like, at this time we were just dating and she would, didn't really know kind of the, how the whole thing works. And she's like, oh my goodness, what are you going to do? I mean, you need to say, say you're sorry tonight. And I'm like, nah, I don't. And I go home, go up to golf course the next day. I'm like, I got to get, out of here like so i go up there to hit some balls and dink off and that's like on every i mean there's what 94 tvs up there yeah 16 or whatever and every on every single tv and i'm just like oh my that's God. me <laughs> here i go that's fine that's it's, fine did you get fined no no you didn't do anything that bad i don't know i just didn't like the question because you yeah. love press conference no i thought i was going to get fined for the foul language like that's generally yeah frowned upon in league interviews or interviews that because i'm likely was on TV, I'm sure, but whatever. It wasn't, doesn't really, I guess my biggest thing with the whole thing was like people kind of put me in that space, right? Like that's who I was all the time. Like people don't really understand. Like I just like to have fun. Like, I, but I have a little bit of fire. And I'm, if you kind of piss me off, I might do that. That's yeah, the same thing. Like six <laughs> times in a row, you clearly didn't want to answer. Just like, dude, move on. You know what I mean? That's got to be the most frustrating thing as a quarterback have a bad game, lose on national television, come in and have to answer all the questions about it. Like, dude, we tried hard. I don't know what we, which one we said. Had I known that that occurred going into it, I would have had a way different approach. Like, I would have just yeah. went in there and been like, yeah. yeah, man, like, this happened. It's not what you think it is. Like, I could have probably controlled it. So then from that point forward, I'm the league – actually, this is pretty funny. The league put a video out <laughs> of, like, how and how not to 
conduct an interview. Like how (laughs) (laughs) So every single team has to watch this thing. You sit in, I think it's like during training camp, you go in there and sit down and, oh man, it's Troy Vincent or whoever's talking like, this is how we do things. This is how we, this is how we don't do things. And they're like showing clips and the guy that's putting it on, he comes up to me before he even puts it on. He's like, Hey dude, I just want to warn you. Like, you're going to get crushed during this video. Like, I hope you don't mind. You can leave if you want. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, yeah. it's a long time. But I guess the positive thing is that people learn from it. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but it'll go on forever. No I'm such sure. thing as bad pub, dude. No. no you well, get on Jimmy Kimmel and have Magic Johnson talking about you? That's, that's an account. Dwight, Not many people could say that. Dwight Howard crushed me, tweeted at me, crushes What'd me. What did he say? I don't know. Some, something stupid. I mean, he can't. Something stupid. Something stupid. <laughs> but anyways, he ends up living in my building in Charlotte with me. And it was a super nice guy, but it, I'm pretty sure he had no idea that that, that correlation. He didn't remember yeah, it. No yeah. chance. Should we get to a little E9? <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. yeah we could talk to you all day, yeah, obviously. I feel like but, we could go 12 hours with yeah. you. Um, we, I, you know, you're a fan of the program. We know that. Yeah. So you know what's coming next. The the E9, emergency 9. I've been a little nervous about this. <laughs> you shouldn't be nervous. At least These not by my harmless. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I'm going to let Sleaze. Start it off. Hey, I'll start it off. This is a recurring question here. Movie being made about the life of Derek Anderson. Who do you want to play you in the movie? I've thought about this. I don't really know. <laughs> I um, thought of one. You're I was thinking one, McConaughey. That's uh, humble. Okay. That's humble. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no big deal. I'm joking, obviously. Um, no. I don't know. There's not it's really. your movie. Dustin Johnson. We get a little lookalike. But, I mean, well, I don't that's know. Actually that's actually a pretty good answer. fair. If he, I don't know what his acting chops are like, but that's actually... I mean, probably terrible. on game day, he looked incredible. He did. Yeah. He put on a show. I don't know. What do you think? You got one random? I had a no? couple. You okay. hard. There's not a lot of six six actors with rocket arms that, you, that to draw from here. So, all right, Colt, you go. I got. I went Tim one. Robbins. Oh wow! No, no, he's tall. Okay. Does he act? Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. I'm thinking of Tony Robbins. I'm thinking of Tony Robbins. I was like, <laughs> motivational speaker, dude. <laughs> no, not Tony Robbins. Did you hear him talk about his golf game? He's definitely not Tony Robbins. Google Tim Robbins. All right, Tim Robbins. I had you. He's six five. I had to go tall. Reason. I had to go tall too. Funny man, Vince Vaughn. Man, that's all right. I could yeah. do He's got that. a little football experience with Rudy. He was I could in do Rudy. That. I could do that. Minus the mess. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood can work yeah. with all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, all right. those are positive. Okay, yeah. make I'll me feel that. better. McConaughey would be better. But. McConaughey, <laughs> Pitt, if he's abs, you know, you know, great yeah. boys. Not wearing a shirt ever. <laughs> Incredible. Number two, like I mentioned earlier, you attended Scapoose High School, okay, in Oregon. Who's the most famous alumni? You or Sarah Jean Underwood? Obviously, Sarah. Think so? Oh, yeah. there's so many dudes out there that could. <laughs> what could vouch for that? I, yes, like they're creeps. Like there's so many creepers out there. She, but I'll we'll say this: if you look up your Wikipedia, it says that you went to school with her, and if you look up hers, it says she went to school with you. Just because she's younger. You're I'm just younger. saying she went. It says she went to school. With well, for our listeners she who may not be it, familiar, though. who is this woman? So playmate, you know, no big playmate of the year, no big deal, guys. On that show, she was on that show. Remember the. Hefner show that they had for a little while and she became, oh, like the reality so she was playmate of the year in 2007 I was in the Pro Bowl 2007 by the way 2007 was a great year for all three of us it crushed mm. you crushed what happened well you were Pro Bowl <laughs> I might have won a couple of things she was playmate of the year god crushed what a year so she's yeah she's probably a little more popular amongst gentlemen I or not amongst gentlemen from the, the high school like, oh if you walk into the high school is there a shrine of her or a shrine of you neither that's disappointing. Just a standard I don't believe gym. That. I promise. It's just normal. I got a uh, Super Bowl participation trophy in there. 
That's not golden nothing. football. Well, it's a little something. That's not nothing. We didn't even yeah, get into the Super Bowl. All right, I'll give well, you a little. Let's not talk about All right, here's the next one. Fourth and goal from the one for all the marbles. Your life is on the line. You have to complete a pass to someone you played with during your career. Who are you throwing it to? Larry. Mm. Yeah. It's Gerald. That's a, yeah, picked up on that. Probably. I thought for sure it would be Greg Olson. He's going to have two guys on him. Okay. Would Fitz be uncovered over there? That on unknown. That, well, Larry they're on the same team. They're on the same team. <laughs> okay. I was doing a probably a little bit of a, a weird, but best hands. Larry's probably the best to do the catches the ball better than anybody I've ever best had. Best teammate ever. Great teammate. Great dude. Um, Greg's there though too. Great. That was actually probably maybe a better one. Just the familiarity with Greg. I think we might have tossed it around a few times. I don't know. Yeah, you and Greg. Oh, and we had a great. Not and to you go way to too far Swift back. Together. I thought that we had an incredible chemistry. pregame routine as far as the superstition goes as well, but that's like another twenty-five minutes of BS. But well, don't be afraid, dude. No, we like, got, I got nowhere to Greg, be. Greg's my boy. Like we literally did the exact same thing. Kind of beating a dead horse, but we did the exact same thing. Like he would catch the ball left, catch the ball right, catch the ball right. Like we, every mm-hmm. game forever. So the like, two of y'all. Yeah, that's probably that's why I said like seventy-two things that had to happen before a game. Oh, more than that. <laughs> more than that why do you get to the stadium so early uh well i used to have a routine i used to have to get there and have a monster to start until one time i got in the first quarter i go in there and i'm like i'm shaking how are you shaking like an alcoholic golfer huh wonder why sleaze couldn't that's why i put like shit now i've slammed a couple Three of before Bulls. i get there and i'm like i can't make nothing First yeah. team. That's how you train the nerves, though. You, you can get putt with a couple bulls in you. You can do anything. I quit the monster. Just the All, right. All right. Number four. Your guy, Cam Newton, has a very interesting fashion style, to say the least. First off, give me your thoughts on Cam Newton's fashion. Well, I got it. All right. We're gonna you want the fashion thing. or the human? Because I, I think fashion. Okay. I'm, fashion, I think it's ridiculous. Um, some cool outfits. Hats. Some of the hat game was fantastic. High, super high ankle pants, super tight with the little off but it's him all right it's like not it's bad unique would you yeah. rather go a week and have to dress like cam newton or a week head to toe oregon duck gear dress like cam you couldn't pull it off well yeah i'm a little chubbier <laughs> i probably can't get in the 34 34s uh yeah it would be all right I'd what was he for, like, like you're team? talking about all day no wear it? you gotta go yes all oh, day out in public. like cam yeah there's no chance i'm wearing an oregon hat shirt pants shoes i don't even bet yeah, that. that's not even a bet like i'd rather give somebody money than you wear see some of the shit he's worn lately. this one he brought out last week oh. or two weeks ago where he looked like he was like a first of all that was a tough look i'm just waiting for him to wear like the orange uh the mat was it the mask the gym care like me wearing the ridiculous that was yellow was that it yellow? Suit? Yeah, yeah. the mask. Oh yeah, yeah, yellow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wear like something like that. Like all that would be normal. Shit, it ain't off the like. table, dude. Yeah. That'd be like one of the more understated ensembles he's put together. Can't all right, I got another. I'm gonna. Have, we might follow up on that here in a minute. All right, next question. Just follow we, up on it. You should go to it now. You want me to go to it right yeah, now? Sure. All right. Well, well, well I'll ask you this because it's also related to that. You got Cam Newton. I want to ask you which is a more accurate depiction of him: fashion icon or kid who's allowed to address himself for the first time? Somewhere in the middle, I would say. It's not an option. DA. No, I know. It's kind of. I was going to go there. with. I feel bad about that. Because I do think some of this. I'll go icon. You go icon. I do. He he's changed the way that like not the NBA guys were super weird already, right? Russell Westbrook does some of those guys really were weird a little stuff. bit weird, but like once he started doing the weirdness, like through the NBA, like those guys started wearing way more weird stuff. More guys in the NFL started like AB 
Akita. Yeah, wear, he wears some weird. Now stuff. he wears like weird, and, super weird. But stuff. now it's like they do it for the cameras, to do, yeah. or else people are like, you, he couldn't wear just a, a sport coat it's, next game. It's I mean, like, it's, what, where are you? What are you doing? It, it's well, the problem is I would never do it because I mean that's like twelve grand a game. Yeah, you need. <laughs> like, you ain't buying it off <laughs> the rack. Those suits aren't free. You ain't buying those it off hats, the rack. He gets them from some guy in L.A. that like hand makes them, so those hats aren't free. So, but it, it, is, it is a show before the games now because they have the cameras coming in when they come. To I like. I, I legitimately saw, want to see it. I'm like, yeah. wonder what crazy shit he's gonna be wearing tonight. I saw Russ in Vegas a couple weeks ago. He walked into Aria well, and he just looked normal. I mean, he had like a stocking cap on but, for sure, but he just looked there are no normal. cameras. Right. Uh, no there, there actually was a dude in a camera following him. Oh, he had like an really? entourage of 14 and some guy with a camera, and he came up and said hi to Bobby Sir. We were sitting there, and it was like weird. Weird. Like, Why are you filming this? Why are you following? I feel like him? Cam is like an eight-year-old kid who wandered into a Halloween store and just picked out eight different costumes and put them all on at once and just walked out. That's like, it's like if you let your eight-year-old in there and said, "Pick whatever you want," that's how he comes out. All right, number six. Are you? No, go, no, 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 you go about Cam. Cam, we no, talk about Cam all day. I was gonna say that you talk to him the, anymore. I do occasionally. Uh, just check in and see how he's doing, how his kids are doing. But, you know, nothing really football-related. But the one thing I wish he had done for me was maybe wore, wore a tie. That, we had a game on Seattle on Sunday Yeah, night. you got the dress code, yeah, right? I wish he had worn the tie on the plane. That would have been great. Because he had to start, Because right? I, I think I ended up being even on my touchdown to interception ratio. Had I not started the game with an interception. Yeah, that was the first great, play. Went right through the dude's hand and popped up yeah. to the house. I've got a great story about that game that, that I can't was a, tell. I'm sure that wasn't on you, by the way. Well, anyways. It's, yeah. but had he, he put the tie the on, series. I wouldn't have had a pick. Had to do it. Yeah. yeah, he got benched for the first series. I remember that. Talk about that up. Off camera. All right. Number six. Have you ever mistaken someone else for your wife? Yeah. <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> These aren't intended. I heard it's happened a few times. One word answers, dude. These aren't one Man. word. <laughs> that one got me. Um, yeah, I have. So I have a sister-in-law that looks very much like my wife. All aspects. We tend to hang out together quite a bit. She lived with us for a little while. Uh, black jeans, black shirt, black yoga pants, black shirt. Like, tough deal, right? Yeah. Have a, have a few cocktails, amongst other things, and walk through the kitchen one day and just rear back and just gave her a big old kaboom. Squeeze her on the cheeks. Like, it wasn't a slap. It was a full squeeze. It was a full squeeze. And I think I may have still had fabric in my hands when she turned her head like this. And I was like, oh, that's a problem. Good, good I heard game. it also happened good after game. a game in Charlotte, Carolina. Yeah, it may have happened there, yeah. too. Yeah, it was uh, not good. But I think we've maybe got that under control and now i just keep my hands to myself <laughs> I love it. Mallory's an, she's an understanding woman but the, when she was looking at me i was like oh boy i have problems Wait, that's how you <laughs> yep. i love it all right next one two of your boys kevin chapel and greg olson are in a burning building you only have time to run in and save one of them who are you coming out with mm. you can't let people die like that you're gonna get them both yeah yeah it's not allowed you can only get one Whew. Gotta pick. That These one, ones are tough, this is dude. no way you gave this question to anybody else. <laughs> we actually oh, yeah, done yeah, this like yeah, similar. Done a few times. We're gonna retire it, I think. It's just too hard, but yeah, I think you you should we should retire it after tonight. Um so what I would do is I'd go in with a uh, wheelbarrow 
I would throw a chop on my back and put Greg in the wheelbarrow. I'd get them both. Yeah, Chappie's small. You can't carry Greg yeah, and he's another a buck, human. He's a buck 85. Greg's yeah. 250. You could sacrifice yourself, yeah. too. You could get them oh. both out and leave yourself in there. Nah. 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 <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> ain't that important, bro. You, get, you can make new friends. <laughs> Those are tough questions. That's a, that so, one that's was tough. That was, that's we a might have one. to, yeah, we'll, we'll consider All right, number eight. All right, I found this article from 2013 from Athlon Sports. You ever heard of this fine publication? Um, maybe a high school sporting deal. I no, don't, it's, I don't know. it's not. It's Athlon. It's it's pretty oh. big. Okay, they're a thing. Okay, secondly, they're a thing. The article listed the ten greatest Oregon State Beaver football players since 1967. Where do you think you fell on the list? Top ten on, a, on Athlon. Never heard of it. I mean, I think I may have seen it. <laughs> You can, I can already tell you're bitter about them. Yeah. Oh, I got to be at least 12 or 13. Well, you didn't make the top Possibly. 10. You're correct. But your good friend, Bill Swancutt, was number 10. <laughs> Swan, your boy. That's okay. All right. After I, I kept scrolling up, and I was career. like, where the hell's DA? Not a lot of not a lot of respect on it. But I did, like I said, I threw, Athlon, tw- I, I threw 25 picks my junior year, and then they were just done. But we did win a lot of games. We didn't have losing season. You also set a bunch of offensive records, and second, third, and a bunch of other categories. Wasn't good enough for him. What Swanee do? Swanee just Pac-12 Player of the Year, no big deal. Or Pac-10 Player of the Year, we're so old. He was just dominant. I clicked on the article, and the first thing that came up was a picture of him, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's Swanee. Killed it. He was a big boy. Uh, Terry Baker. Is Terry Baker number one on there? No, Steven Jackson. Terry Baker won the the Heisman. I don't remember where Terry Baker was. He was on the list, but I don't remember where he was. He was in some war, I think. (laughs) Some war, I think. Which war was it? He won the Heisman and he it's played like a who? Civil War, and then he came in one night. No, he won the Heisman in 62, maybe. I think it was 62. And then he played basketball at Oregon State. Like, kind of impressive. Yeah, right? not a bad gig. You probably could have. Steve been. was pretty good, though. Like, yeah, I was like, going to say, where did he fall or else this list? We were roommates our freshman year. And he walked in the dorm room, and I was like, boy, howdy. Like, that dude plays running back? Like, you get to hand off to that. Screw, mm-hmm. Still screwed it up. <laughs> Six three two forty shredded. I don't know if they, one of those guys that they just make once. Yeah, yeah. One of one. One of one. There's yeah. no chance you ever see another one. He made it work for a little while though. Oh, yeah. Just thousand okay. yards. He was just yeah, like, hand it to okay. him. He get a thousand. Yeah. Throw it to him. He get five hundred. He get fifteen hundred. I'm easy a year. Yeah, yeah. He was not a small human. All right, last one. I know you're a bit of a conspiracy theory guy. Not afraid to dabble. Bigfoot, real or no? I would love to see a Bigfoot. <laughs> but is, he, is, he, is it real? Do you believe in Bigfoot? I'm not so sure Bigfoot it really exists. So funny this comes up. I played with Casey Martin. There we go. I played with Casey yeah. Martin a ton, and not a ton, probably 10, 12 times in college. It felt like we played a lot. But he was the one that kind of like was like, dude, no, it's real, dude. Like he was like selling me on it. He like went Bigfoot hunting like with these people and like you put meat on trees and all this stuff. And so like, I kind of was like in something WFO or something, this these dudes that I think they do the Bigfoot show. Some of those there's guys, just, there's like 12 yeah. shows about. And so like, I was Bigfoot. just like super interested in it. Like I'm not really don't have any facts. Like, there's nothing factual. We've never found a Bigfoot. Have we? A piece of it? I don't know. But yeah. There's nothing. So like we have, nothing, we have nothing. I just was, yeah. I was I think told there's that you something... and Casey Martin are big, Who big, you big foot guys. Who do you think? The number 10 player in the history of Oregon State, dude. The great Bill Swanka. <laughs> Illahee Hills, my partner, the, man. Uh, yeah, the Bigfoot. I don't know. He, he might not exist, but it 
It's worth hoping for at some point, maybe. You and McCord should go looking for McCord's him. big in on him, McCord too. So oh, I'd be right all in if somebody wanted to go. He's on four-wheelers getting up McCord thinks he's in Vail. Yeah, I think he's in <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, if he's in Vail. He's, he's a fancy like, Bigfoot. Yeah, he's, he's a not rich Vail, bastard. Northern California, if you're trying to find him. Yeah, you're him. up That's, in Bigfoot territory, too. I've heard some weird stories, but you never know, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe he's the most elusive thing on the planet well yeah dude maybe he hides in the top of trees maybe he's got a hole in the ground we don't know I th- okay now i like I, I would rather conspiracy theories of things that have like a little bit of facts or mostly facts that people just don't want to believe but that's okay yeah all right think outside the box a all little, right bonus, just a little bit bonus question to end it with yeah who's who's in this year's super bowl chiefs packers chiefs packers and win Whew, chiefs Chiefs. There it is. That's, that's your right. life on that's it. That's it. Derek Anderson that's from the man so. himself. Take it to the bank. I'm betting Fella. everything on Chiefs if I lose. Yep. You it's been a blast, dude. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Love you, dog. Appreciate Thanks, it. man. You got it. And that was Derek Anderson joining us. So obviously, we hang out with him a ton. He's such a blast to be around. By the way, I had no idea how superstitious this guy was. When I talked to his wife earlier in the day, she just sends me this book of a text message. And she's all these, all his superstitions. And I was secretly hoping when I asked him if he was superstitious, he'd say no. Nah. And I'd be like, uh, well, hold on a second. Because this lady that knows you pretty well begs to differ. Yeah, he went into a whole, I mean, goddamn, oh that whole God. that whole thing. That, that's time. That takes a lot of time to do that. The left leg first, then the right leg, then all this. We play tons of golf. I'd never see him do anything weird with like in golf where like the superstitions. Maybe there are some stuff. I didn't Maybe know about the football well stuff either. Right. Maybe he's always <laughs> changing it, trying to find the thing to do over and over. But yeah, I had no idea about that. But there's so many guys, pro athletes across the board no matter what sport they have so many weird things like i have to do it exactly this way or else it messes up your your mental i mean he even went down to the chin strap i buckled that uh the guy put an eye, the eye black on yeah i mean good god that that's just that's nuts and i mean i have some little ones here and there but i mean the length he went through was unbelievable yeah i have like a certain number of ball that i prefer over the other ball i used to trade out my twos and threes for fours and ones because i like to play those more than other. like that's normal type stuff or i always mark my ball with with uh, tails up or heads up or whatever he's He's got a, a checklist to go through. And also a big Taylor Swift fan, apparently. Yeah, love that. Didn't know that wish, some of the bad... I knew what song it was. Greg Olson in there. Hey, turn, it's time for Taylor right now. I had no idea. First off, he knows what song it is. He, he knows. He didn't want it. Something with New York in there. Uh, yeah, so he knows about it. The other good story that we kind of got into was when he got picked up to go to Buffalo for the first time, and they had Josh Allen, and basically it was... DA's O coordinator in Cleveland was now at Buffalo and he's like, Hey, get on the phone. Uh, come up here and just coach this kid. We don't need you to play. You're not going to do nothing. DA texts me. He's like, I got a job. And I was, I was thinking cause he was done with football. I was like, Oh man, wow, that was quick. What are you going to do, dude? And he's like, no, I'm going to Buffalo to coach this kid up. I don't have to pass physical. I don't have to do anything. I'm basically just there to coach. And then seven days later, Monday night, starting against new England. I was like, Oh God. Yep. He's like, dude, I haven't done a, I haven't thrown a football. I haven't worked out. I've been drinking and playing golf for five months so that, that was a tough that's a tough spot to get into yeah but a hell of a career i mean 14 years in the nfl really really cool and um like we said one of the best dudes on the planet just occasionally sometimes mistakes his sister-in-law for his wife no big deal what are you gonna do that happens a little inadvertent ass grab you keep it all in the family dude you know what i mean it's gonna happen all right well that was a lot of fun with Derek. But Sleeves, next week, another degenerate is coming into the house. We're we're coming in. We're ending out 2020 hot. Oh, man. If you don't know this guy, you got to look him up right now. This guy, we call him Big Red, Mike Commodore. He is all-time one of the greatest dudes, played in the NHL for a number of years. Um, Was basically kind of a goon, an enforcer. Enforcer, goon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, not afraid to mix it up. Got some all-time stories. And another guy, just like all these others, who, who loves golf, mm-hmm. obsessed with golf, play a lot of golf with them. Good player, too. Low handicap, um, but 
one of the bigger, I'm safe to say one of the biggest characters I think we probably have ever had on this show. Yeah. Uh, he put it out an awesome Instagram little, little picture the other day. It was a picture of him on the range working on his game. He goes, guys, I suck at driving. My iron game sucks. I suck at chipping, but I can roll the fucking rock. <laughs> he goes, so I'm going to get in one and try to figure this thing out. He is a blast. I can't wait. We're probably going to need a lot of censoring for, for Commodore, yep, yep. but I promise you, you will laugh and enjoy every second of it. Absolutely. No no easier guy to like right here coming up than Mike Com, and he's going to have some unbelievable stories, mm -hmm. so this will be a fun one. Yep, that's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar.